This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. The Women of Ill Repute, with your hosts, Wendy Mesley and Maureen Holloway. Wendy, I uh, I got a message on Facebook. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know. I really go on Facebook. If you, if you want to get hold of me or Wendy, I'm talking to you, our listener, uh, it, the best bet is through our website, which is womenofillrepute.com, or you can DM us through uh, Twitter or Instagram. But I digress. I rarely go on Facebook, but I did for whatever reason, and there was a message for me. Um, with a man, a, a troll, who took issue with an investigation that I took place in a year ago with regards to the man I used to work with who had been abusive to his colleagues. You know the one. Okay, I know who this is. Uh, the guy, he lost his job. He got lots of money. He lost his job. And anyway, this troll wrote to me, you ruined a good man's life and I would rather eat shit than give you the time of day. <laughs> it it, it sounds like he gave you the time of day but but he would rather eat shit (laughs) maybe you can do both he's like super talented i saw the humor in it but that's just a tiny example of that the of the abuse that's heaped on people especially women online yeah well you know i spent a few years on television and i had before things were online so things are have gotten much much worse but yeah, we now we call them trolls. We used to call them stalkers. We still do. I had a lot of them, and one of them, one of them had a gun. Ha <laughs> ha! Here I am laughing. Had a gun? Yeah. No, his mother actually called me to say. I thought you were going to say his mother had a gun. His mother. His mother called you. Yeah, his mother called me to say, you know, buddy, the who's been stalking you, uh, my son, he, he just told me that he went and got a gun and he's, uh, he's, he's coming to find you. And I'm like, oh, great. So I called the cops and the cops were like, yeah, well, when you're dead, you know, let, let us know. I'm exaggerating slightly. But. Or, but, but this is par for the course. And this is what a lot of people hear. This is, you chose this job. This is part of the territory. Nobody knows this better than Jody Vance legendary broadcaster in Vancouver who was harassed beyond measure by a man that she eventually took to court. Yeah, I went to court too, a long story, but um, her guy, her guy, uh, her stalker, her troll, he he pled guilty, which is great, but then he was given a conditional discharge. I would like to show him some conditional discharge. (laughs) That sounds a little rude. It's just got, oh, it's a little rude. <laughs> anyway, there's a lot more to Jody Vance than this. She's the first woman to host a sports show on Canadian television. She was an anchor at Leafs TV. She worked at the CBC. Uh, she hosted breakfast television in Vancouver. Yeah, and she now hosts a weekly talk show on Czech TV. I think I think that comes on Thursday right after Jeopardy. Um, so, yeah. And, and she does a podcast with Linda yes, Steele. Yes, it does. Good lead-in. <laughs> and collects wedding dresses. If you see Jody on with us right now, she has Hi, a collection of wedding dresses. Hi, What's Jody. What's with the wedding dresses? <laughs> Hi, ladies. Yeah, let's start with that. 
You know, my 15-year-old son loves a thrift store. I haven't bought him clothes from a regular clothes store for a couple of years now. I'm not a big thrifter. My partner, Brian, is very much so. So they've kind of dragged me kicking and screaming into the Value Village world. And I love just digging through now. I've become what I used to think I couldn't do. And, and I, I love to find tool. Who knew? I'm not a girly girl at all. And I found that first one on the rack, if you're watching this, that one there, uh, randomly last winter at the thrift store at the Value Village in Kamloops. And it's this big, beautiful wedding dress. And I thought, what's the story behind this? And then I flipped the price tag and it was $60. Oh, I didn't, I didn't buy it immediately. I left and I called my friend, I texted my friend actually, who loves to dress up. Kathy DeVito. She loves, she got a tickle trunk of clothes. She's fabulous. And I showed her and she's like, I'm in for 50%. Go get that dress. So we went back uh, the next day. And then there was another one right next to it. So I bought both. Um, and it's kind of become this, this thing that's growing. It's like, what do we do with it? Are we going to, are we going to change them up and crafty them up and, and whatnot? And, and I got to the point where I was like, you know what? I'm just going to call local high schools and, and see if there's like a pretty and pink vibe for any of the students there for their grad. And they, they want a dress that they can rip apart or paint or add to get crafty with, or just wear it as it is. Cause it's rather pretty. So I, I like them. Sh- I like- you know what? That's the only explanation you need. I like them. It's a value village, isn't it? <laughs> value village. Value village. Yes. 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 I've graduated from Target. Yeah. I'm value village now. <laughs> uh, we were going to talk to you about serious things, but maybe we should talk to you about wedding dresses instead. Well, yeah. we can do both. We can do both. Wendy, the gun part, though. I mean. I know, but you know what? That guy, I mean, I did call the cops and they, they didn't quite say, let us know when you're dead, but, but they, they said, okay, well, we'll, you know, we'll get a, a what are they called? A, a stay or some kind of, a you know, please, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, please don't do it. But if you do, then, then we'll have a case and then we'll do something. But you, I don't know. I, I was telling Maureen that I spent the first few years, maybe even that guys, sort of, thinking that that was just the price of the job, you know, that, that, that and, I, and I didn't do anything. You did something. You, 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 this guy, he was sending you horrible messages for seven years, wasn't it? And you fought back. Yeah. Yeah. It was a long time. I did, you know, interestingly, when I was in Toronto and, and thank you for the lovely introduction, by the way, uh, when I was doing my work at Sportsnet, when I was the first woman on the national desk there with their own show, um, you know, like billboards. And, you know, I thought, okay, well, the weird messages I'm getting from some people wasn't really an online thing. It came through regular mail back in 2001. And then, you know, I just kind of thought, yeah, I guess that's just part of it. And then I had one of the three stalkers that I had while in Toronto. Uh, All of them were wanting to be with me, romanticizing what they saw on television. So it wasn't like, I hate you the way some things are now, but more so I think we're meant to be together. And and sometimes I think that with Brad Pitt, you know, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I think I know him. I don't, but if I saw him, I'd be like, Brad, hi, you know, <laughs> we were meant to be together. But no. you'd know, but you'd know there's a line and it's not even a fine one between. <laughs> I wouldn't follow no. him home. I wouldn't follow him home. And one of my stalkers did follow me home one night um, and get into my house in Toronto, my little attic apartment on Admiral Road. Um, Yeah. And that was really, 
that was scary because they didn't steal anything. They just moved stuff around. And then they came back and dropped more off the next day. Like somebody was trying to scare me. Um, so that was one thing. And I just moved into like a safety deposit box in the sky down on Lakeshore Boulevard that had a concierge. I spent, spent most of my paycheck on security thinking, well, you know, this was years ago. And then when I moved back here to Vancouver and, and I feel like I'm in a smaller town here, but I was wrong. But then after breakfast television, starting on CKNW, which was super full circle for me, I started in radio in Vancouver at the sister station of NW and I'm doing talk radio and I'm just filling in. I don't even have my own show. I'm just the fill in gal. And this individual who used his real name off the hop, um, just started coming at me, just coming at me. And I'm going to put my little teeny Turner here, this little grunt, <laughs> grunter that you're hearing on, on the That's headphones. a dog for those of us not watching. <laughs> My friend's little mini chihuahua, sorry. Um, this, this man who I didn't even name until the court date where he did enter the guilty plea. I never said his name out loud, so I'm not used to saying Richard Oliver. I am saying his name now. He would send me, ladies, he would send me 15 a day sometimes. I, I, and at first I would reply to him like, hey, you know, I don't know what I've triggered here, but it started around the time that Donald Trump came down an escalator and it was just, oh, I don't even know, um, in the back of my mind. And then for years, this was happening. I would block him. He'd come back with a new email address, one of which was read in court uh, back on Mar uh, March the 10th when he did enter his guilty plea. I never in my life thought I would hear Jody swallows well at gmail.com said publicly, oh, Jesus. but that's the type of email addresses that he was coming up with to continue to, yeah. to come at me. But I would block and block and block and block. And, and one time, and I'll fast forward through a bunch of this. Um, he mentioned my son in one of the emails he sent me. And that was the, that was the breaker for me. I was like, okay, you know, that's the line. And I, I went to the bosses and they're like, well, what are we going to do? Cause we don't know who it is. And then I went to the police and they're like, what are we going to do? Cause we don't know who it is. And I was like, is anybody going to even try to find out who it is? Like, cause this is a lot. And the, when it finally got to detectives, they said, can you go in and find out how many emails you might have from this guy? Like, let's, you know, I'm shortening down two years of, of banging on, <laughs> on a door. Uh, but I opened my, my trash of my email and it was absolutely full, absolutely full. And it was just sickening. And that's when they started to really pay attention, the sheer volume. You know, he copied me in on a death threat to our provincial health officer, Dr. Bonnie Henry, copied me in on it and mentioned me. And, and, and it, it was just like, okay, what is broken here? We can talk about, you know, the whole court process and justice and your fight and how, but I'm, I guess I'm really struck by you talking about your son. Cause I, I think you, you had a kid later, like I had a kid later and an only kid and they mean a lot. And, and it was reading about the same thing that I had to go through with not the guy with the gun. It was another guy who was um, odd uh, and sent me all kinds of, in, intimidating things, but I had to take a picture to my daughter's grade school. I had to show her the picture of the guy and say, if ever you see someone that looks like this, be careful. And and you did that. You did that with your son. I did. I did. Um, my, my boy is, like you say, I mean, it's something special. You wait till later. I had multiple losses on my way to having 
a child. Um, always thought I'd have lots. I had an IVF baby. I have a miracle and I'm very grateful for him. And I've just, I'm, I'm not overprotective, but I'm definitely a mama bear when it comes to like, don't come for my son. I will, I will change the world to come back at you. And he, he, I protected him from the fear of it because it was basically from him being seven years old to 15, that window, that precious window of time that this man stole from me in that I was fearful for my son's well-being the entire time. And I'm a working mom. And for a bit of that, I was a single working mom. Some of what we get comes with what we do. And when uh, Richard Oliver mentioned my son, um, and I had a photograph of him from his Facebook page that Jesse Miller from Mediated Reality, an integral part of my story, he helped me identify and really pin down who Richard Oliver is, where he lives, what he does, his wife and three children and the whole story behind him. I took the picture of him to my son's then high school. He went into high school at the age of 12 because he's a late baby. Um, so 12 years old, going into a big high school in a pandemic, I'm walking in there with a picture of this guy. I, it was incredible. It still makes me feel a little lightheaded to say that all in a row. We're fine. We're fine. But I also had to take it to his best friends, to the moms and say, just so you know, this is what's happening. My neighbors who would love to tag that they were my neighbors and then tag where we lived. I had to go to them and say, please stop doing that. I need you to stop without being able to really explain what was happening because I didn't know that there would be an end. And I think that's a big part of the harassment piece is you feel like you're stuck in it and there's really no way out of it other than to just protect yourself. You know, you're on the 911 emergency call list. Thank you. I mean... Okay, so how I do you guess. feel right now? So you've got you, you. This was a criminal case, and you're launching a civil suit. How do you feel? Like the guy's out there. Have you heard yeah. from him since? No, he'll go to jail if he does. If he comes anywhere near me, that's part of the deal. Yeah. So yeah, I've had my share of some of them are stalkers who love you, and some of them are are trolls who hate you, but maybe they love you. It's you know whatever. But one thing that I was taught early on when this started happening was do not engage. Do not engage. I had one boss of, who was a terrible boss in so many ways who said, let me handle it. And he started a conversation with this one guy who was on my case. And the guy couldn't have been happier. He's got somebody. He's got somebody who's close to me who wants to, you know, talk him out of it. And, and it just made it worse. And it it creates such a help, not only for women, but it's mostly women who get this because we're told not to engage in our very lives, our lives, our, our family's lives are being compromised and we're not supposed to do anything. I believe that that's flawed in 2023 to not engage. I think identifying who's doing it and holding them to account, and that is going to require a change to our criminal code on a federal level. That's what I'm fighting for now. I'm not afraid of him. I looked at him in court when I read my victim impact statement. I basically, in the last line, said, I'm not afraid of you. You want what I have, and you can't have it. I'm keeping it. And that is my ability to do what I want in this life. And he was making my life smaller with every threat, right? And as soon as, as, soon as I said it all out loud, the amount of support from you two, from, you know, colleagues from across the country, from people internationally, my DMs flooded with people who are suffering at the hands of harassers, right? I want my, my 
court case will never be fixed. I can't fix that the crown shrunk seven years down to six months. I can't fix that they created an agreement of a conditional discharge without ever it being a part of my plan in all of my, I'm going to see this through. I promised him early days when I did engage with him, Mo. I did engage with him and I said, if you don't stop, I will see you in court. And he was like, good luck with that. And I thought, those are my favorite words. When you say good luck with that, I'm coming to do that. I'm coming to do it. The Women of Ill Repute. Hey there. Uh, Just so you know, Mo and I are not just the queens of podcasting. I'm not sure we're even that, but do go on. We're not part-time cowgirls. We just made that up. But we are writers. We're writers. Wendy and I write a newsletter on Substack. It's a weekly roundup of thoughts and experiences, sometimes serious, often not. Yeah, you're pretty funny. You you write about falling down a lot. Uh, you write about your dog. I do. You write about sex and politics and COVID. All very, very serious things. We have a few thousand subscribers, both free and paid. And you could be one of them if you'd like. Just go to Substack.com and look us up by name or go to our website at womenofillrepute.com and sign up there. We'd love to meet you there. And now back to being the queens of podcasting. Yeah, sure. (laughs) Hi, I'm Mercedes Nickel, four-time Winter Olympian and host of Dropping In, a podcast with Mercedes. This is a podcast where I interview a bunch of different people. I get the good, the bad, and the ugly, as well as I share my stories along the way. Now you can drop in at droppingin.com or subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. I'll see you soon. It's making me think of Laura Payne, who is the uh, the head of the largest, one of the largest unions in Canada. And, and we said, so what issue matters most to you? And, and she said, well, as a former journalist, what's happening to journalists and all the trolls and and why aren't it was interesting to hear you talk about Maureen your your boss is saying don't engage and she was saying no what needs to happen is that the the bosses the employers the companies need to actually get involved and fight um and so i think a few years ago and i don't know whether it was because of it had just become so much worse online and so much worse with you know particularly women of color um being attacked um, that there, there's been a, there has been a change. Has there not? I, I, I don't know whether, I mean, I'm not in the business anymore, but I'd like to think that, that now employers are getting involved. I actually have a meeting with Lana coming up. Um, that was just uh, put together at the convention, the Canadian uh, Journalist, Journalist Convention here in Vancouver. Um, and we're going to have a conversation about it. I've also met with the BC Attorney General, Nikki Sharma, about this and and the want to find a way to not only have swift and meaningful consequences for those who do harass others in all walks, but in particular those in journalism, scientists, whether it be physicians or now climate scientists, meteorologists are being attacked now because of weather. Are you kidding me? This needs to stop, right? So I talked to uh, Nikki Sharma and, and she said, to, you know, like, well, what kind of change? And I said, listen, I don't want everybody to go to jail. I don't even want to cancel Richard Oliver. I've never posted a photo of him. I don't want everybody coming after him. That's not what I want. I want him to be counseled, not canceled. I want 
people who would harass like this to understand the error of their ways. And the best way to do that is not to send them to jail, in my opinion, or put them through the legal system. Because let me tell you, that did cost Richard Oliver a hell of a lot of money. He had ended up hiring one of the most powerful defense attorneys that he could get his hands on. Um, and that's not cheap. But I would prefer if, if, let's say, one of you had somebody come after you like, I'd rather eat shit guy. Um, and you say, hey, listen, stop that. And he goes, no. And you go, okay, identify that guy. We now know him. The cops can figure out who it is. Because if that guy was coming after a politician, they'd know immediately who they are. So it, you can figure out who it is. Oh, no, he used his name. Right. So, But even if he was an anonymous, mm -hmm. somebody could find them, right? And you, you have a, a mechanism, an activation that's like, okay, you've been flagged as though you have a parking ticket, a speeding ticket, a DUI or whatever. You do it once, it's hundred bucks. Do it twice, it's a thousand bucks. You do it three times, it's $10,000. And it's associated with your driver's license. This is a choice to attack another person. I want, that's what I'm putting out there. And, and somebody came up to me and goes, where's that happening? Like, what country is that happening? And I think it's a great idea. I want to take it to Ottawa. I'm like, I, I, it's just an idea. I don't know enough to know, but I don't, I don't know enough to know what I don't know. There's that argument though, that you are in fact, uh, I mean, and I think it's brilliant. And to me, it's clear, but other people will argue justifiably that it's murky territory because it's also, I mean, this guy has a right to say that to me. But it, you also have the right for it to stop. Once you say, stop that should be enough it's consent it's consent you want to say stuff say it that way do, do not say it at me anymore do not say it about me or about my family you know targeting me is not okay this is not normal that's my that's my battle cry well it, unfortunately it is normal i mean you talked about about how I guess that this started to take off at the same time as Trump was starting to say like some of the things that that you're stalkers said to you are, are like said by people in positions of authority in the United States. It's like attacking women is, it's just, it's everywhere now. Um, so like how, but it may be normal, meaning that it happens, but it's not acceptable. No, but how do I get, I, I don't know what, what is going on? Like how you say that you're astounded, but what, what the hell is going on? Like why, why has it become so crazy? Is it because it's online? Like I, I had a couple that were really, really scary and a whole bunch of others that were less so, but it seems like with online hate, it just seems to be going overboard now. I, I wish I had the multi-million dollar answer to to why, but from my position, it feels like there's a slice of society, and certainly not all of society, but a slice of society that feels it's okay to openly say what they don't like. I don't like a strong woman with an opinion and a platform. I don't like it. She belongs, fill in the blank, barefoot and pregnant, in the kitchen, you know, you know, making sure my martinis poured at the end of the night, like they're living in the mad men years or they're feeling the power control slip away because women are, women are not stopping moving forward. Look at us. This is us. There was a time where women of a quote unquote certain age would be told to go sit down and, you know, and, and just fade away. And we're finding that now, in fact, prime time is the best time. And we feel 
less encumbered by what others might think of us. And some, particularly men, don't like it. And you add a layer of being um, a BIPOC woman. Oh my God. Like what I see my sisters getting hit with, I'm standing beside them, arms linked going, no, I'm fighting like I'm ripping off. I'm burning bras. My mom was doing that. You know, I'm fighting for Mary Tyler Moore wearing pants on TV. Oh my God. Shocking. Shocking. Right? (laughs) (laughs) Wait, make sure you rip off your bra before you burn it as opposed to the other way around. Right. That would hurt. That would hurt. That would hurt a lot. But Jody, you are no stranger to this because you had the temerity, the gall, the guts to get into sports. And now, I mean, there are, and I, and I use this sort of pejoratively, there are beautiful babes all over the sports stations, but, uh, and most of them are for whatever reason, but you were the first one of the, you were the first woman to host a, uh, um, a primetime sports show in this country. If Canada is defined by nothing else, we are defined by our sports. You dared to enter that church, you know, where we've never had any women priests to use the religious analogy. And so you have probably encountered far more resistance than than even Wendy and I have in our in our male dominated. Yeah. So tell us all your secrets. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you this, and it might shock you because I I came into it very much the librarian as opposed to the the sexy sportscaster. And there's nothing wrong with being a sexy sportscaster, by the way. But I was more girl next door. I just love the sports. Daughter of of a a coach in high school Um, every other weekend with dad. He was the head of the PE department at Britannia for 32 years. Uh, I was coach's daughter. So I knew all the rules and I loved sports. And I I have a photo of Jim Robson, the longtime play-by-play man of the Vancouver Canucks, who is my absolute idol, who um, I, I remember being a very small child listening my older brother had control over the television. So watching the Canucks play and thinking, wow, he's got a really cool job sitting there just talking about hockey. I could do that, you know, was kind of in my headspace. And my mom being unbelievable, never put limitations on anything. So when I said I want to be a sportscaster on TV as a very young child, she was like, okay, but you maybe, you maybe should think about having a little something else just to make sure um, that you have a paycheck. And I was like, okay. So I went to culinary school to appease mom, but then got into radio again, listening to the Carol Burnett's and the Sandy Duncan's and the Mary Tyler Moore's talking about how they got into. Sandy Duncan. I haven't heard her name in ages, but she had one glass eye. I remember that. Yeah. But anyway. <laughs> and she talked famously about getting into radio to get on television. That's what she wanted to do. And I remember hearing that as a young kid and thinking, okay, well, that's what I'll do. I'll get into radio. So, you know, on that journey, I handed out stickers in shopping malls. I drove the community cruiser. I did the weather. I did the traffic. I did the things that they pushed the girls into. And while I did that, every single person who asked me, what do you want to do? I said, I want to be a sportscaster on TV. And three times in my life, decision makers heard me say that. And every opportunity came from saying it out loud. And every time I was offered, I took it and I did my very best. I tried so hard to be prepared. And so once I got into it, to to your question, long way around, um, I wasn't really noticing that I was the only woman in the room because I really wanted to be there. And the people that I, for the most part, that I dealt with internally were good to me. Scott Moore was a champion. I'm still working with him to this day. He brought me in. Famously, he heard me say out loud, 
that I wanted to be the first woman on the desk at S3, which was the working title for Sportsnet that he was creating. And he decided in that moment that I would be. And, you know, he, he brought me out to do fill-in and then I did the morning show. But when he moved me to the evening to prime time, it ruffled some feathers of some of the guys, because it was all guys in the room, who felt it was their turn next. And I kind of looked at them and said, listen, if you got a problem with that, you got to talk to the guy who gave me the job because I didn't campaign for this. They're just giving it to me. And they're like, fair enough, fair enough. And the viewers were really kind as well. I never really had a problem of I don't like you until I really started giving my opinion on news and current affairs. My opinions on sports, people were fine with. They kind of felt bad for me because I'm a long-suffering <laughs> Canucks fan. <laughs> yeah, you work for the Leafs. But even working for the Leafs, they knew. I mean, you don't change your allegiance just because I reported on the Leafs. I love the team. I got to know all the players. I really rooted for them unless Vancouver was in, involved. And then I would root for the Canucks. And it was kind of fun. Like George Strombolopoulos loving his Habs. He came on Leafs TV all the time to talk about Blue Blanco Rouge, you know. It's fun. So now there's all these women. There's like women everywhere in, in radio, in TV, in sports. And yet there's all this backlash. And so you're still fighting. So I, I, I think that's what we should call this series or with you, this, this episode, we should call The Fighter. Because uh, you're still fighting, which is kind of cool. Well, you're helping, you're helping both of you are helping right now by amplifying the message of this is not normal. It's not okay. We need to fight for change together. And I believe that we will leave things better for the next wave of women who are coming in. They'll come in with an expectation that, that they will be protected in this way, that at least they won't be criminally harassed. They're going to take some heat. Media is swimming with sharks. If it was easy, everyone would do it because it, it's so fun. Why wouldn't you do it? But when it's bad, it's so bad, as we all know. Do you, Wendy? I was going to say, do you really think there's still a lot of backlash against women in television in general? No, I just mean the online stuff. You know, oh, like, God, yeah. like I, I think you know, women are climbing the greasy pole, not just at CBC, <laughs> but uh, but everywhere. Um, and, and it's great. And there's women foreign correspondents, and there's women in Ottawa, and there's women, there's women everywhere in radio. Women on the sports desk. You were the first in sports, and that's great. And I think it's it's amazing to see all that progress. But I don't. It it sort of comes back to what you were talking about, Jody. Is that some people don't like it. They don't like women having opinions. They don't like so it's and and it's not just it's not just some people. It's like they 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 ruined a, a chunk of your life and your kids' life. It's not not acceptable. And so I think that it's great that you're fighting this and that we have to do something about it. I think it's amazing. We're going to run out of time, uh, but before we do, I want to say hello to you from a mutual friend, Paul Hendrick. Oh, Henny. I know, I know. Uh, he's married to a dear, well, he's a dear friend, but I've, I mean, I've known him since he was in college, which was yeah, a long time I ago. I love him. But he asked me, and this is in keeping, like, I, I'm, I'm, I have sports mad sons, particularly my eldest, but I'm not a particularly sporty person. Uh, you know, I, I jump on the bandwagon whenever there's a, a pennant involved. Good. <laughs> so That's Paul asked me a few years ago if I would consider auditioning to be the uh, PA announcer at uh, the ACC for the Leafs. And I did. I auditioned. It was the coolest thing I've ever done. 
So you have to go in and sit there and you and you basically uh, introduce the players. <laughs> and your voice is echoing throughout the uh, arena. And I, I had, you know, I got most of the pronunciation <laughs> correct. I did not get the job, but it was one of those things where you, you know what, you get an opportunity like that. Like I was already on radio and television, but how cool would it be to be a PA announcer for the Leafs? How cool indeed! And um, so, yeah, I just thought I would share that with you and and, and pass on Henny's regards because he thinks the world of you, as does you know the country. Oh, I, and the Leafs, the Leafs will win. Yeah, but she wants the Canucks to win, and at this point, no Canadian team is on the roster for the next. I would have gotten, I would have gotten behind any Canadian team. Let's be clear. Again, they got to do that. And I will tell you this secret about Paul Hendrick, and you can probably find it online. I'm responsible for fixing his haircut. Oh, really? Thank you. Yeah, we did a segment <laughs> on Leafs TV where I brought in my fabulous Toronto stylist who I miss so much, Olga Savinskaya. She came in and, and Jeff O'Neill, O-Dog, and I basically basically shamed Henny into getting a haircut. And he's kept it. How bad was it? Gosh, I, it was, it was, uh, yeah, it was much better afterwards. Yeah, it was very Carrie Fraser. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, the, the, the famous ref in <laughs> hockey who didn't wear a helmet. He was grandfathered into, he had like the, the, the perfect quaff. And Henny kind of had that, so we messed it up and made it spiky. And he's he's gone with it. I love it. I love my Henny. Yeah. Oh yeah. He still has. He's one of the funniest, sweetest. His wife Alicia. I'm sure you've met a dear friend. Wonderful people. We. Know, it's amazing that our paths have not crossed before this. Let's change that. We well, we think we changed it today. I'm not a big sports fan, but I feel like <laughs> I know you somehow, and uh, I, I seem to have met Maureen. So it's uh, yeah, yeah. All the best to you, and and thank you for thank you for the fight. And I'm sorry that it costs so much. Um, screw them. But we're be- yes, yeah, screw them. <laughs> we're behind you all the way, as I know you'd be. I'll keep you posted on the civil suit. Okay, you do that. You do that, Jody Vance. Good luck with everything. Thanks, ladies. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Yeah, well, I I think it's really important. And uh, like you, I was told by bosses at the time, do not engage. Do not engage. Uh, just you know, and, and you, you you're you're famous and you're out there and you're pretty. So therefore, um, you know, people are gonna have crushes. But it's way more than that. And it's I I don't think that people should have to put up with it. And it's much much worse these days. All I heard was yeah, that I'm pretty. <laughs> <laughs> I used to be. I used to be pretty. I used to oh, be you still are. You still are. But that's no yeah. excuse for people to give you a hard time. <laughs> I don't know the, yeah. the do not engage thing. Before we go, I, I do want to just address that a little further. I think in my, many cases it is good advice. If it's just somebody you know who's yes. looking for a fight, don't give them what they're looking for. And they will more often than not go away. If they don't go away, then you absolutely should be encouraged to to pursue it but if it's just well that opens a huge can of worms um (laughs) and a big and a big debate yeah the guy who said he'd rather eat shit bon appetit my friend (laughs) he can chew gum and (laughs) women of ill repute was written and produced by maureen holloway and wendy mesley with the help from the team at the sound off media company and producer yet belgraver Come on a journey like no other, where you will discover many roads that will lead you to a happier, healthier, and more stress-free life. And the beauty is, you don't need any vacation time for this adventure. The journey will come to you. 
Join Avery Rich on your very own journey into yoga. Along the way, she will demystify yoga poses and guide you into a yoga posture or short sequence, all in less than 15 minutes. You have nothing to lose but stress. The Journey Into Yoga podcast. It's not for people who like yoga. It's for people who don't like yoga. Follow or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at AveryRich.com.